Welcome back to the Troop Leader Experience Podcast. I am excited because I have another guest for you today. These are some of my favorite conversations because we get kind of external perspectives on things. So recently at the beginning of the year, we were talking about the state of things in the world for girls. And we were using some resources to look at what is going on in the world and how that affects girls disproportionately. I want to like drill in on that a little bit, double click on that, if you will, and specifically look at girls in our communities and the girls that are in our troop, what they might be up against today. So without further ado, hello, my dear guest, please introduce yourself. Tell us who you are, where you're from, what you do, all those things. Awesome. Thank you. My name is Ashley Rogers and I'm from Arizona. And I am a life coach, Ashley Rogers Life Coaching, and I life coach tween and teen girls predominantly, and also their moms if they would like in on the help. Very well summarized. So let's start like at the very beginning. Can you explain to me what is life coaching, especially in the context of teens and tweens? And like, why would a teen or a tween want or desire life coaching? Hey, that's such a good question. A lot of times it's first their moms are concerned and reach out to me, right? My daughter used to be super outgoing and super bubbly and have all these friends. And now she's having confidence issues or now she's experiencing a lot of social anxiety. Now she has a lot of fear. This certain social thing has happened and we would like to get her back to being her old self. A lot of times is what they say. And a lot of times the girls are a little hesitant at first because they don't really even know what life coaching is. They've heard of counseling, which is definitely getting more mainstream and normal. But still, I think sometimes when presented by their parent, it's, oh, you think I need a counselor? There's something wrong with me. And this is totally like an unofficial opinion. But what a lot of life coaches would say is that counseling is frequently more about what has happened and dissecting what has happened to bring you where you are right here, right now and understanding that. And life coaching is more taking what has happened that has brought you here. And how do you move forward from it? How do you grow from it? How do you take what you like and grow? How do you change what you don't like? Really, it's about looking forward and moving forward. And once the girls understand that, they actually get super excited about it. Because I think even as young as our tween age, like 9, 10, 11, 12, for sure, they know if they're not feeling great about themselves and they know that they want to be. So I just think once we get working, once they see that I'm a light, I'm a mindset coach first. So my thing is, unless it's against the laws of physics, you can probably change it and you can achieve it. So once they really understand that is truly what I think, it's not just lip service, then they're really excited to move forward together. And really, a lot of times it really just takes a few like questioning some basic thoughts, asking some really basic questions for the girls to change their own mindset and really start to see like this huge future open up to them that before they didn't necessarily see just because they couldn't think it. Does that make sense? Totally. So do most of the girls that you've worked with, do you find that they've experienced something in particular that's influencing their mindset and their confidence and their self-esteem and their self-worth and all of that, their personality changes, or is it just everything, like all the things? It's just like life stuff. Yeah, I would definitely say it's more life stuff. If there's something very specific, especially if it's quite traumatic, that is not my wheelhouse. That would be more for a counselor or a therapist. But everyone has 
small experiences that have brought them to where they are, right? We all are a, an accumulation of all of our experiences that we go forward with. So everyone has little things happening. And once I get a pretty good rapport with the girls, it doesn't take very long. Then when we first get on our calls, we'll talk about what is going on in their life right then that they want to address. And there's always, I guess not always, but there's frequently something going on, something with a teacher, something with a friend group, something with a coach or a sport, something with a parent within themselves that they would like to know how to better handle. But other than that, we talk about a lot of things in general. Confidence is where we start with a lot of things about anxiety, worry, fear. The relationship between confidence and fear is a big one because I think girls the stage really don't understand that what that is. I'm trying to think what else. But yes, I don't think most of them don't come to me with a this happened now what do I do? And when you are onboarding like a new client, for lack of a better, less clinical term, when you're onboarding some a, a girl into your program, do you have an onboarding process where you're getting information from her slash her parent or guardian? Or is it see what comes up as you chat with her in a normal session? Like what's the onboarding part look like? Sure. That's a really good question. So it usually does start out with the parents contacting me. Obviously, they're probably the one that's going to have heard about me. They'll be the one that will be paying for the coaching, right? So they usually reach out and explain to me what's going on, what their what their concern is or what their daughter's concern is. And then I always do just a complimentary consult with either me and the girl or me and the girl and the mom or me and the mom, however they want to do it, or one separately with the mom and then with the girl so that they can just get to know me. I have I have a whole workbook that I send to them that I also use in classes when I run classes, but I send them this whole workbook. I have a four-part process that I explain to them. And really, I just want them to get to know me and to know that, like you said, you guys are trying to create askable adults that to develop a rapport pretty quickly that I am an askable adult. So that's usually what will happen for the younger, the girls on the younger end, like my youngest clients are, have been fifth graders. So for the fifth and sixth graders and sometimes seventh, they usually want their mom there. For the the meet and greet and they usually kind of defer most of the questions to their mom not because they can't answer them but because they're a little nervous so then I usually see if they would be willing to have then another one with just me where we can chat and it's it is not jumping like d- deep headfirst into coaching it's more just getting to know each other me asking them questions letting them know certain the themes that I see over and over again coming from girls. These are the things that we address. These are the things that we talk about. These are the things that I hear are going on. And that then kind of opens everything up for them. Oh, I can relate to that. So that's where we start. That was my next question was establishing trust. Like how do you build trust to become that trusted adult outside of a parent? But I guess I'm going to do a spinoff of that and say, what trends do you feel like you've seen as you've worked with different girls at these different age levels and over time? What are the trends that kind of girls in general are experiencing? Sure. And I suspect that you mean like trends that I would want to help them with things that they might be struggling with or concerned about. So the first one I would say, which I am coming up against so much right now is this is more a tween, more of a teen, I'd say, especially once they get into eighth grade and up is what a teen girl's life should look like. What, what should be happening in their life? If it's normal, quote unquote, or if it's good, quote unquote, and lots of these girls, I really, I don't even know where it comes from. If it's like from the media, from watching movies, from only seeing people's highlight reels on 
um, social media, but they all think that if you are successful in high school, you have this huge group of friends. Everybody loves everybody. You can confide in all of these people that you're hanging out all the time, that every weekend you have something to do and people are asking you, you don't have to be the one to instigate it and that you feel comfortable with all these people all the time. And if that's not happening, there's something wrong with you. That is, that's, I'd say the overarching thing that comes up a ton. And then underneath that, that's not how my life is. So there must be something wrong with me. Right. And then we start to address the anxiety, the fear, the what is real confidence. That's, they all fall under, I think, what a normal quote unquote tween or teen girl experience should quote unquote be. So when I, oh my gosh, I just have so many things that I want to ask you. So when you say what is real confidence, I'm curious, would you expand on that? Like, how would you define what is real confidence and how can we frame that with girls who we're noticing the same things with our own girls and our troops? Sure. So the first thing that I do is I ask the word confidence comes up almost immediately. I, because I asked them, what are your goals? What do you want to get from this moving forward? I want to feel confident. I want to feel like socially confident. It always comes up. And I say, tell me, what is your definition of confidence? What would, how would you define confidence? And invariably it's some form of, you just always feel comfortable socially. And you always, you know what to say. And you have, you have a group of friends that you're always comfortable with. It's always that, like you always feel good. You always know what to say. You're never worried or embarrassed. And then of course, that is the first myth that we have to bust right away. That um, confidence is not always knowing what to say. It's not always feeling comfortable. It, it rarely is. When we really get down to it and I talk to them about it, confidence is really knowing that fear is totally a normal part of all of your life. And that fear is just a feeling in your body that then your mind interprets, which can feel very real, right? And very scary. There's definitely physical parts of that, but that fear can't hurt you and that you can do anything you want scared. You can do it scared until it's not scary anymore. And when, because all these girls think like, I want to do this and I want to have this and I want to try this, but I'm just, I'm scared. So obviously it's not the right time or obviously I'm not prepared. And what I try to help them see is that as soon as you want to do it, you can do it. And it won't be until after you do it and you have those experiences that you won't be scared anymore, that courage isn't actually a great feeling at all. When you have to use courage, it's because you're not feeling very good, right? It doesn't take courage to pour yourself a glass of water or walk up the stairs because you're very confident that you know how to do those things. You need to use courage when you're scared to do something. And it's after you do that thing and you do it scared and you have that experience, that's when the courage kicks in. That's when the confidence kicks in. And that's when then you can expand your, like your circle of confidence and what's your complete confidence zone and what's your learning or your growth zone, which is actually scary. But once you start tiptoeing or jumping out into that learning zone where you have to do something scared before you can have confidence and feel really comfortable with it, then that enlarges the circle of what do you feel comfortable with, which then enlarges the circle of what's slightly outside of your comfort zone that now you're willing to try with courage to do it a little bit scared. Yeah, we have um, a framework that we use sometimes in Girl Scouts called G-I-R-L and it's go-getter, 
innovator, risk taker, and leader. And risk taking is such an interesting thing to lean into in this leadership model of to exactly your point about doing things outside of your comfort zone and doing things that that make you feel a little fear, a little discomfort, or a little insecurity and tackling them. And then the more that we put ourselves in these controlled risk situations, right, and we practice doing things outside of our comfort zone, the easier it is to put yourself in an unknown situation and the easier it is to handle the unknown as it happens. And so I just feel like that's really related. So another question that's burning for me is in these sessions that you do with girls, first of all, can I ask, like, how long does a girl typically work with you and how often? What, How long are your sessions and how often and how long does do you meet with them over time? Let's start there. Then I'll ask my next sure. question. <laughs> Perfect. So the actual session time is anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour. At 45 minutes, I'm assessing where we're at. Is this exactly a good point to start wrapping up? Or are there other things that we need to cover that we'll need to wrap up in the next 15 minutes? Um, I do have some clients local that I meet with in person, but 95% of my clients are over Zoom because they're all over the United States and even the world. I have different kind of packages. You can totally just do one at a time. But to me, that is not really super effective because that doesn't really give us me and the girl time to build a trust relationship where One, she trusts me enough to open up about what she really wants and what's really affecting her. And then where she trusts me enough to trust that what I say is actually good for her. You know, that when I ask them to question things and I ask them to try things, they have to have built already a trust relationship with me in order to want to try those. So most teens, most of all my clients usually buy a session or an eight session package And the younger girls and the ones that have been really excited to work with me, like they have tons of questions. We burn through the eight, usually one a week. We don't, I don't usually do more than one a week, but they don't have to be every week either. But at the beginning, it's pretty good to meet once a week so that we can continue to build that relationship. We don't let too much time go in between meeting with each other and talking with each other, seeing each other's faces. Um, But towards the end of those, and especially those who can really like latch on to what I've said about fear and confidence and how they relate and start putting that into practice. A lot of times we get to session like five or six and they're like, I am doing awesome. Like I'm trying, I tried this or I did this. And can I save these last two sessions, these last three sessions, one more session until I come up against something else I want to talk to you about, because I just want to put all this into practice. And of course the answer is yes, that is, that is why I do what I do. I want you to feel confident putting it into practice and that We don't have to meet forever. We can. I have lots of clients who have bought the eight sessions and then they buy eight more and build on there. But the younger ones, just because it it moves a little bit more slowly, they're a little bit more shy. It involves a little bit more of me teaching and trying to pull things. I wouldn't say pull things out of them, but it's more of me talking and getting them to talk. So they usually use all eight. And then from there, their moms are either like, yeah, let's do another eight or why don't I decide we're going to take a little break. We're going to talk about what you've been talking about. We'll put it into practice and then we'll get back with you. I do. This is marginally related. I Life coaching is not a um, regulated industry like counseling or medicine. So that's not always a good thing. But so every life coach kind of has their own way that they do it. But I tell all my clients that are under 18, they are a minor. So if their mom asks me specifics about their session, I have to tell her. But in general, 
if the mom is okay with it and the daughter and I have agreed that I don't share anything that the daughter didn't give me permission to share. And a lot of times at the end of a session, I'll say, hey, can I shoot your mom a text about this or this, or maybe about what we talked about this week? And sometimes it's, oh yeah, tell her so we can be working on it. And sometimes it's, heck no, this is between you. And I totally respect that. I, of course, I always tell them if anything sounds dangerous to them or to someone else, like anyone could be in danger or get hurt. I, of course, disclose that right away to their parents. And at the end of a session, I always take notes and most girls don't, most moms do. And the kind of college age girls that I've worked with, they usually take notes too, but the girls were just, it's actually good that they don't because they can just be more chatty and interactive. But at the end I say, okay, I'm going to text you like the cliff notes. They don't even know what cliff notes are, but the summary of what we just talked about and what we want you to be working on this week, maybe the thought that you're working on or these steps that you're going to put into practice. So I send them a text and depending on what we have decided on ahead of time, I either put it on a group text to them or their mom, or I send a text separately between there and their mom, or they say, I don't really want my mom involved in this, in which case I don't send the information to the mom. I definitely have more questions about the sensitive topics thing, but first um, I'm curious in your sessions, is it primarily discussion only, or are there activities or exercises that you're doing together where the girls creating or writing or doing, doing things? And also in between sessions, are there things that she's doing that's more tactile? So I have a workbook that I send to them that I, it's such a labor of love that I've put together for my classes and my girls. It's over a hundred pages and some of it is teaching. It's just words. And some of it is activities, write this, try this, draw this. And Sometimes during the sessions, we do them together. And sometimes I will say, hey, I want you to check out these pages. I don't ever want it to feel like homework. I don't want it to ever feel like a burden. But most girls, I'm sure your Girl Scout, your troop leaders will know, they like to talk about themselves. They like to delve into what's making them tick. So it's not very hard to get them to go go look at these pages and fill this stuff out about yourself. Answer these questions. See how you feel about it. And then let's talk about it next week. There are a few things that I almost always do with them together. And the first thing is we talk about, this is like getting into a whole lesson, but it's basically talking about the difference between what is a role and what is an attribute, how they're different and what we should be basing our, like our self-worth on, and then how to start building those. So, and that is a, that's an activity that we always do together. And it's in usually one of my very first calls after we've broken the ice. So then coming back to the sensitive topics thing, I'm trying to think because I want the conversation to happen organically, but the questions I want to ask you are just coming so fast and furious into my head. So the sensitive topic. So when a girl discloses something challenging to you, do you have advice or experience or anecdotes or whatever, anything related to where you have that moment of We were talking about this before we hit record, but first for me, the experience has been, you have this first moment of, yes, she trusts me to talk about this. I'm so grateful that I get to be this trusted adult in her life. And then the next moment is like, oh my gosh, I want to handle this. I really want to say the right thing and I want to handle it well. And I want her to be glad that she came to me and I want to do good and not harm. And also how's this going to get repeated back to the parents? And (laughs) what is the, what's the parent going to think about how I handled it? Do you have any thoughts about that? Or, and also, do you have advice about what, now that you've had a lot of practice with those moments about what 
what troop leaders can do when we work so hard to become, we used that this expression earlier, to become an askable adult. We work so hard yeah. to become an askable adult. And then what do you do once you are one? <laughs> so that's a really good question. So it goes back to most girls don't come to me because something like a major trauma has happened. And um, we in general are more discussing their own life and views and thoughts. So I don't actually like, I have never had a, a client, um, I'm trying to think, come to me with a very difficult, like sexual activity question. That's not something that they have brought to me. I've never had a client disclose anything about illegal drug use. The sensitive topics I think that they come to me on are more like their friend interactions that are really, you know, a friend is, or a so-called friend or an ex-friend is being hurtful or doing certain things that's affecting their social life and really the way that they feel about themselves. Those are the topics that we, that I more address with them. And always, always my advice to be an askable adult is to just make sure that you, why did I just lose the word? Build a, listen first, right? What they need is someone to just confide in. They just need someone to listen and know that, that you're on their side and they're not, you're not judging that whatever they say to you doesn't affect the way that you feel about them. And then after they have expressed everything that they want, after they've gotten out all their emotions, then you can, you can even ask, is this something that you just needed to talk about? Or is this something that you would like some advice on? Is this something that you would like to work on together? Or is it just something that you felt like you needed to get off your chest, but make connection, right? The connection first, they came to you because they feel a connection and they definitely need to come out of that conversation feeling like that connection hasn't been broken in any way. And in fact, has been deepened because they trusted you. Yeah, I love that. I think that's really good advice. Listen first. So when, uh, so I know most of your offers are individual one-on-one and sometimes we get that one-on-one time with girls but a lot of times we're working with groups so I'm wondering do you have any uh, advice or activities or exercises that you recommend that are things that might be good at various age levels that we might be able to do with our girls sure and I know troops I, I think are like a pretty small group of girls right like how big would a, a oh, troop it normally can, be yeah it can totally vary so the kind of minimum size to technically be considered a troop is five girls but okay. 12 is pretty normal like around okay. 12 and then some troops are like at my troop at one point was in the 20s something and there are troops that are like 50 plus girls oh, wow. but a lot of times those bigger troops, when they're doing activities or they're doing meetings, either break into age levels. So a lot of times they have, like my troop was kindergarten through seventh. So sometimes oh, okay. we would do stuff all together, but a lot of times we'd split into grade levels. And then also we had have done it where we do small group things. So we have stations that they move through. So that's another really common way. Even if you have a larger group, you can make it into smaller groups. So it can still be a small okay. group. Thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> definitely. I would say a lot of it is you can't do the same things with your kindergartners that you would do with your seventh graders. But first is really fostering a, the whole group that they trust each other, right? That and doing activities where they learned. I know that this is what the Girl Scouts is all about, but where they learn that they can trust each other, that they are allies for one another, that that whatever they talk about or do would never be used against them. And then so a lot of times I think to break the ice, because nobody wants to be the first one to say a hard thing. I'll say, okay, this is what I'd like to talk about. Um, Write down any questions and I'm going to put them in a 
hat or a basket or going to collect them. And then I, just anonymously, and then I will answer them. And frequently I will um, add in one that is really probably the, like really the crux of what we want to get to that I've heard from a lot of other girls, maybe individually. Um, and I will read that out as if one of the girls asked it. And then I talk about it a little bit. And then I say, has anyone else had this experience? Does anyone have any advice or have you had something similar? And as soon as it's, it sounds like someone else has had a similar experience, then they're much more willing to jump in. Nobody really wants to be the first one to say something though. I think that's pretty universal. So if the leader can break the ice or it can be done anonymously first, I think that helps a lot. That's good. So can you help me a little bit more on the prompt, the initial prompt of what kind of questions girls are asking? Sure. So what would you, this is more on the askable adult, like a more sensitive subject. What do you do? This is like a seventh and eighth grade thing. As a side note, like in seventh and eighth grade, the girls are still pretty much better at everything than the boys. They have, they've hit puberty. So they're taller. They're still faster. They're doing better in school. Like Scientifically speaking, the only thing that they've really found in general that junior high boys are better at than girls is throwing. And they don't think that's biological. They think it's because of practice. So the boys are, they are hitting this maturity, this biological change where they want to seem masculine. They want to seem macho, but they're being outsourced in everything by the girls. And so they start to make the only type of comments that they, a lot of them know could quote unquote, bring a girl down to size. And that's comments about her body or her sexuality something like a question in that group would be like that I might've heard from a girl is what do I do when a boy makes a comment about my body? Or what do I do when he makes a sexual comment towards me? Or what do I do? There's certain boys at school that they brush up against me and they touch my boob on purpose, things like that. And so I will, I put out a question like, have you ever had an experience in school or otherwise with one of your peers where they made you feel uncomfortable? with a sexual comment or with something that they, you know, a, something physical that they did and they can write it down. Or I always say, write down something, even if it's, I don't have a question so that everybody looks like they're writing something. Otherwise, sometimes the girls don't even want to write anything. And I will, I'll stick something in that's an experience that I have already heard from a girl and kind of where I'd like us to get to, to say a boy who used to be my really good friend now is making comments about my body or my butt or like, everything has become sexual. How do you know, what can I do about that? Or is that normal? Should I do anything about it? Things like that. That's perfect. Thank you. That's really helpful. Do you have any other kind of activity or exercise suggestions? Cause I did cut you off. <laughs> oh, I'm trying to think because I have taught a class. I have taught classes to girls like single classes. And then I did an eight week long thing. And this was mostly with tweens. So like seventh and eighth grade, I'm trying to think the more that they can talk about themselves comfortably and the more that they can find ways that they are similar to the other girls that they relate on a, a deeper level, then will of course deepen that trust and their ability and desire to share more and get more involved, invest a little bit more. So anything that not just between the girl and the leader, because like you said, you would love to have those moments that are one-on-one -on -one that you can really talk to them personally, but they don't happen that often. And I would say more often that it's my experience that the girls are more worried about what the other girls would think or say than actually what the leader would think or say. Any sort of games or activities where they can just start to get more personal with one another on in a very safe, controlled environment where they can um, just start to see the other person as like they struggle to, they have these situations to not, 
No one's home life is perfect. No one's school life is perfect. Something that I've really come across a lot with my high school girls is they think that there is, again, it goes back to the perfect, how the perfect life should look, how the high school life should look. And it's, it's basically the vision of the queen bee. She's popular and she's beautiful and she has the perfect body. And first of all, that's like a unicorn. It doesn't really exist. But I also let them know I have coached the queen bee. I have coached that girl who popularity wise, which that's a whole nother conversation, what popularity is and how it's decided. But I've coached those girls that are at the top. I'd call them the queen bee. And they are having the exact same insecurities. They are not at the top saying, everybody loves me. I have so many friends. No, like my life is so awesome. All these people support me. I I have something to do every weekend. I always have a date. They have the exact same insecurities. I don't know if anybody likes me. I think these friends are doing things behind my back. I, this boy, this, or I didn't get asked to this dance or, and when the girls can hear each other say these things and see, okay, this girl looks like she has it all together, but she also has this situation, right? Or even this girl never seems like she has it together. And then you can find out why, right? Then you engender empathy and then they just feel a lot more comfortable with each other. So when you do hear something in a session that you feel a parent needs to be informed or notified or brought into the fold, how do you make that notification to the parent? Do you have any kind of basic script or suggestion or just general advice about that? Not so much in the how I say it to the parent, but how I talk to the teen about it. And maybe you guys already, maybe you have protocol about this, but if I hear something that I feel like needs to be shared, I say, I am really so grateful that you felt comfortable saying that. And I really feel like this is something that your parents need to know. And I explain exactly why, not because they're the grown up and you're the kid, right? There needs to be a reason that they can understand. And then I say, we can handle this a lot of different ways. You can talk to your parent about it and then just make sure that your mom or dad, whoever lets me know that you did, or we can talk to them together about it. We can, if it's long distance, it would be like on a zoom, but I have worked with the 12 to 18 year old girls in my own community for most of the last 20 years. And then in that situation, it would be like, would you like me and you to go to get a soda or to get an ice cream with your mom and we can talk about it together. Or if this is something that you are like truly too embarrassed to bring up to them, I can talk to them about it and then they can bring it up to you. They can start the conversation and asking how the girl would like to go forward so that she still knows that she can trust me, that I'm not just, I'm not just going to take what she said and blast it out in a very non-caring and non-sensitive way that I still honor the way that she wants to do it. It's just that it it has to be shared. Yeah, I love that. I think that's really helpful. I want to add to, in my personal experience, something that I felt worked well for me with talking to the girl about talking to her parents is when girls have come to me with things asking, who in your life have you talked to about this? Or have you talked to any other adults about this? And that's a way to fish. Do your parents know, right? Have you talked to your parents about this? And if the answer is that they have talked to their parents, because I've had that where a girl's response was like, oh, my parents, I've talked to my parents a lot about it. I'm actually in in counseling and I've talked to my counselor about it, whatever. So they ha- they're they letting me know I have this team of adults who does know and is involved. And I then asked, 
do your parents know you're having this conversation with me right now? Do your mm-hmm. parents know that you planned to come to me to have this com- or that you decide you wanted to t- talk to me about it? And that's also helpful just to get more information about what's happening, right? Right. And in situations like that, it for me, it has been helpful to hear oh, yes, I talked to my mom about it and we strategized who did I want to let in on this or who did I want to talk to about this? And I let we decided together like that I was going to come to you. And that was like, oh, good. Okay, that's super helpful. Good, good, good. That conversation's happening. Obviously, if it's not happening, then that's a whole other. Okay. Now, to your point, These are the reasons why it's important to let your parent or guardian, your adult at home know. And that is it can be hard. So yeah, I appreciate that. And I was just going to say like ascertaining what has been said, where, and like you said, it's so important. And I also, before I was a life coach, I was a fifth grade teacher. So I also had experience with the very beginning of, it's definitely not necessarily now the beginning of body image issues or anxiety issues, but the beginning of a lot of the body changes, which create the mind changes, which create a lot of these things that are going on. And in those situations where I was the teacher, I wasn't necessarily hired to be that askable adult, right? A, or a trusted adult. I had some students come to me and ask me about things that I would say, okay, we need to talk to your parents about this. And then I'm not really even sure how this is applicable, but the parents did not want me to know they were, it was usually about something that was going on at home. And it was like, oh, well, we will take care of this. You don't. And then I could tell the student had been at home. You don't say anything else to your teacher. We will take care of this, which is, was really sad because they felt like they could trust me. Yes. But Yeah, that is one of the things that is complicated. And I think I'd like to have someone on who maybe is an expert in navigating those kind of conversations. So anybody listening, if you have recommendations of who would be a good person to have that conversation with, because yeah, that I, there was one instance with my troop where we had, I mostly worked with the middle school girls. The middle school girls were having their, their time where they were separated from younger girls. And And in those instances, I would go with the middle school girls. And we had established once we had girls who hit middle school, that there were certain conversations that were quote unquote middle school conversations, meaning that when you're with the little girls, that those are conversations that aren't happening. And it was usually about stuff happening at middle school, right? So Mm -hmm. things that are happening with friends, things that are happening with couples that are forming, things that are whatever drug conversation could potentially be applicable. Rumors, big thing was like what rumors are going around. Those conversations are middle school conversations and like the younger girls don't need to be part of that. They were having what they deemed a middle school conversation. And I overheard some conversation that I was not actually part of. That was very concerning about a classmate of theirs at school who had inappropriate pictures of herself distributed among students. And crazy to think of this happening. And I think this was sixth grade. Crazy to think of this happening in sixth grade, but definitely was what they were discussing. Not a girl I knew, not a girl in my troop at any point. So I did not know her, but definitely the girls in my troop did know her, knew this happened and were discussing the situation. This is a tough one because you overhear it. You can't pretend you didn't. We need to have this. They need to be able to have this conversation with an adult. <laughs> and also there are certain things that I felt like a responsibility to make sure we're very clear. And one of the things that I felt was my responsibility to make sure was very clear is that having or distributing pictures of like that, of that nature of someone under 18 is illegal. That's against the law to have it or to send it. 
So that is important. And so I didn't talk about morality. I did not talk about, I did not sexualize it in any way, but I, or try to pretend it isn't sexual because for them it is right. I, obviously they're children, but I didn't even go there, but I did want to make sure that the legality part was clear to them because I didn't know if they knew. And I needed to make sure, although they were all very against what had happened to this girl and they were very upset and angry on her behalf that this had happened, I wanted to make sure they knew also, so they were never any part of that, right? Sending it or having it is illegal. So I was like, right. this is really important that you know that and understand that. And also, as you get older, that includes of yourself, right? Or anybody that you know and trust. It doesn't matter if they're under 18, you can't have it or send it, okay? It's illegal. <laughs> so I I did make that clear. I had somehow how it was repeated to a parent was something that made a parent very unhappy. <laughs> I had a parent come to me very frustrated and concerned that this conversation had happened. And I had to defend what my perspective was and what I did share and how I approached it. And thankfully, like that parent and I had a really good relationship beforehand. So when I was able to share with her, hey, this is what I actually said. This is what I overheard. This is what I felt in the moment I had to step in and make sure was addressed. She was okay with it and we moved forward, but it was tough. It was tough. It was tough to have a parent turn around and say, I didn't like that you had this discussion with these kids. And it's, they were having the discussion in my presence. So my choice was to pretend I didn't hear it or to try to be the trusted adult in the room. And that's hard. There are some hard things as girls, especially hit middle school. There are some hard things that come up. And I think high school even more, it just gets harder. (laughs) And I do think like, we're so lucky at you, your audience as Girl Scout troop leaders and me as a coach, the parents know that the girls are coming to us. And so clearly there's some level of trust there already because the parents are sending the girls to us for positive reasons. So I think that does, like you said, you already had a good relationship with the mom and the mom obviously knew that she was sending her girl, her daughter to Girl Scouts to learn these skills and to figure out how to navigate these situations. And that's usually what I find in my coaching, right? The parents know that the girls will be talking to me about sensitive things and they trust that I will keep the right things confident, give the right advice, or just be the listener, right? And then pass on what needs to be passed on. The the experiences where they really didn't want me to know mostly really just happened in the classroom when they weren't paying me. They they There were things that they didn't want their child to share that were happening at home, but Yeah. And I think on that note, I think that is something that we can do, especially as girls are getting older. We talk on here a lot about, and I hear from you all a lot about what do I say in a parent's meeting? What do I do in a parent's meeting? What, what, what's the agenda at a parent's meeting and why is it important to have one? And I think, especially as the girls get older talking about that, and you can even use that term if you want an askable adult or a trusted adult or whatever, letting them know this is important to me that we're establishing this relationship from a young age, but also there are things that girls then will ask and even working with the parents or adults of girls in in your community, your troop community about what their expectations are of how they want you to handle it and letting them know what your plan is going forward and communicating about that ahead of time. I think that's something I would do differently if with my next troop is I didn't necessarily have those conversations ahead of time. I had them after the fact, like now there's something to discuss. So I need to tell you that this happened. 
I want to share one more anecdote and then I'll let you go for the sake of time, but I do really appreciate your time. So one other thing that is a really special memory for me is as the girls started to get old enough to start discussing crushes, not all of the girls in my troop were having their own crushes, but they definitely had friends who had crushes, friends who started to be boy crazy or whatever, very young. Probably this discussion in my troop started around third grade, where, again, not all the girls in my troop had crushes. And they would say, I don't have a crush on anybody. I don't like anybody. But my friend likes everybody, right? My friend has a big crush on so-and-so, right? That's where that really started. And it got really hyper-focused as a part of the conversation in fourth grade. Who has crushes on who became a really big conversation in fourth grade and fifth grade. So I would say that one thing that was interesting was being able, I can remember it was a carpool situation. And so I had only a couple of the girls in my troop in my car and they were talking about crushes, whether or not they had crushes on anybody. And I started prompting them with some conversations about what is crush worthy? What would make somebody appealing? Like what would make somebody likable to you? What would you what would what's even interesting to you right and part of it was because I'm nosy and I just wanted to know what they what they think so and so is cute what's cute about them I want to know what do you think and then part of it was also giving me the opportunity to say how does that person make you feel about yourself and how does that person treat other people And how does that person behave in class? And how does that person behave when there are no adults around? What kind of people are they friends with? What kind of interests do they have? What... What do they like to do? What do they like to read? What do they like to watch? What are the, what's their favorite subject in school? What do you have in common? What kinds of things do you talk about? And But it's funny because I can remember specifically when I asked them, how does that person make you feel about yourself? Or a person you would have a crush on, how would they make you feel about yourself? Because in that car of the three girls, two of them had never had crushes. And, I, and they were like, I want to, but there's just nobody. And it's okay, if there was somebody that you had a crush on your dreamy crush what how would they make you feel about yourself and as they started answering those questions and getting excited and talking and giggling one of the girls said I'm so glad we have the kind of relationship where we can talk about this stuff and my heart was just like the Grinch right it just grew two <laughs> sizes listening and then also yes that gets scarier as they get older great we can talk about this yeah <laughs> so anyways just a little anecdote That's awesome. I love that. And that's a question that I, we ask a lot is how do they make you feel about yourself? So that's a very, that's a big one to ask. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time and your insight. I am really glad that we got to chat. So two kind of questions to end off on. One is where can people find you, connect with you, follow you, get more information about the stuff that you do. And second piece is for people who aren't local, what kind of resources or opportunities would they have to connect with either you or someone like you in their own area that might be able to come do things with their troop? Yeah, I am Ashley Rogers. So on my website is ashleyrogerslifecoaching.com. And on Instagram, it's Ashley Rogers Life Coaching. And I try to post a lot. And even though I work mostly with the girls, the people that follow me mostly are the moms. So I post a lot of stuff for the parents of teen, particularly teen girls. So there should be a lot of good information, even for like troop leaders. And it's really not a problem if you are not local to Arizona, because most of my coaching is done over Zoom. So we can really be anywhere. I've even had clients from out of the country. And it's just as far as figuring out the time difference. Otherwise, it works out really well. But on Instagram or through my website, I am 
always more than happy to answer questions. If you have a question or you're having a situation and you would just like to know how to handle it, or, you know, have I encountered this before? I am so, so happy to talk about those things. So come find me, ask me, I would love to help. Yeah, great. Thank you. And if you, if you start to follow Ashley, if you're reading her, her resources and you think the sounds of the offer that she has for teens and tweens sounds like it could be a potential good, like a girl in your troop might thrive. It would be also really feasible for you to pass on her information to the parent or guardian of that girl. Or if a parent comes to you and says, I've noticed these things, I've noticed this is changing. I've noticed how Ashley started describing like what a lot of parents say when they come to her, like notice that her confidence has gone down. I've noticed that she's not as outgoing bubbly as she used to be. And and they're looking to you for resources. Ashley is a great resource. So I really hope that you'll pass her information on. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. And I, I really appreciate you. And if you're listening, we will see you next week. Awesome. Bye.